Hear ye, hear ye, word nerds. Be forewarned. This podcast contains saucy language of the modern and early modern variety. So plan your listening accordingly. Or don't. That's a choice you can make. Don't say we didn't warn you. We love incest. Spoiler, we don't actually love incest as a real thing, but in early modern drama, it's fucking great. We love incest as a plot device. Okay, yes. moving on. <laughs> Neither of us are endorsing incest at any point. I feel point. like I need to put a disclaimer at the beginning of this, ep- of like any of yeah. our incest plot plays episodes now. We're yeah. like, the Hurley Burley Shakespeare show does not actually endorse incest. We cheekily like it as a trope. End of discussion. To the Hurley Burley Shakespeare Show, we are your hosts, Jess Hamlet and Aubrey Whitlock, and together we are Whamlet. And this week we're talking about women beware women. What up, Team Middleton? Yes, women. Let's beware us, other women. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, sure. Mm-hmm. It's completely antithetical to everything I believe, but fine, let's go with it. Every week, we will discuss a different play by our favorite guy, William Enrique Shakespeare, at what we call the 101 level, except when we don't and when it's your boy, T. Middleton. Yeah, uh, the 101 level, though, is introductory stuff. It's everything that you need to know to have a general understanding of the play and also some other cool stuff like what we think about it. So, yeah, for real. Yeah. So just to refresh your memory about Tommy Middleton, even though we've talked about him a lot. uh, Thomas Middleton was born in 1580. He was resident playwright for the Admiral's Men by around 1602. Uh, the uh, Admiral's Men were the biggest rivals to Shakespeare's company. He was a huge collaborator with guys like Decker, Chettle, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, sorry, <laughs> Shakespeare, Drayton, Webster, and probably every other modern dramatist you've ever heard of, except for maybe the professional asshole, Ben Johnson. Yeah, and also to be clear, there are no early modern playwrights named Tuesday or Wednesday, but there is a Monday. (laughs) (laughs) There is a Monday with a U, Monday. Um, You will remember Changeling, not Changeling, you'll remember Middleton from his hits, such as The Changeling, The Witch, A Chase Made in Cheeseside, and The Revenger's Tragedy, all of which have 101 episodes on this pod. Damn right. We could do just like a whole little side course on all the Thomas Middleton plays we've done. Love him. Um, Okay. Before we jump into a summary, mm-hmm. we like to give you a five-word unhelpful title. Mine is not quite five words. It is six words, and it's incest's okay if your uncle's hot. Totally oh, unhelpful. Oh, wow. So unhelpful. Yikes. You're okay. welcome. <laughs> um, mine is be specific about your poison. That's more helpful, I think. Well, it's just like good advice for life. Um, whereas rationalizing incest with your hot uncle is like maybe <laughs> not something that we want to tell the impressionable youths of today who all oh listen goodness. to this podcast, obviously. And also tomorrow and also yesterday. Any impressionable and youth. Any impressionable people, regardless yeah. of youth or age, just yeah. don't do that. I'm being silly. Yeah. And also unhelpful. This is an yeah. unhelpful title. I don't know yeah. how much more I need to walk this back. Okay. No, you're That's fine. my unhelpful title. This is another incest play. In <laughs> it case is. you haven't gotten that yet. <laughs> 
<laughs> it is. It is. It's only a subplot this time. It's not like the plot, but it's kind of major. So, yeah. all right. We're going to give you some dramatis personae, but only the really important ones. Here we go. Yeah. This is also just like a nice tight play. So pretty yeah. much everyone minus like messengers Ugh. and lords and shit. Finally, so. Middleton. Finally. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we're going to start with the Duke of Florence. That's where he's Duke of. He has a brother who is the Cardinal. Nameless. He's just a Cardinal. Yep. Uh, we also have Fabrizio, who is Isabella's daddy. Okay. We have Hippolito, Fabrizio's brother and Isabella's uncle. There's also Guardiano, who is the ward's uncle and also his guardian. Have we named Isabella? She comes later. Does she? All the women are at the end. Oh. Yep. Okay. Yep. Sorry. Um, we have the ward, a rich young heir. Also Sordido, who is the ward's manservant. We have Leoncio, a newlywed fuckboy. Then we have the first of our women who we're going to beware. Her name is Livia. She is sister to Fabricio and Hippolito, and she's aunt to Isabella. We have Bianca, who is Leoncio, the fuckboy's wife. Um, there's also the widow, who is Leoncio's mother and Livia's neighbor. And of course, I did, in fact, leave Isabella off this list, but take her away. Great. Yeah, we have Isabella, who's a, a young lady of Florence. Mm. She's Fabricio's daughter. She's Hippolito's niece. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was trying She's, to, like, yeah. co- corroborate the family tree in my head, and I kind of short-circuited there for a second. Betrothed to the ward. It's like a ah. whole thing. The nameless ward. Yeah. 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 This is unlike some of the, many of the other Middleton plays we've talked about in that this is not like a city anything. It's definitely not a comedy, but it's not like city people with fun indicative names. They're more like titles as names. Except for Guardiano. Right. Who is a guardian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is like hilarious. Kind of lazy Middleton. He's like, what yeah. shall I call this guy? Oh, everybody well. Everybody else. Yeah. Except for like the widow and the ward, but like everybody yeah. else. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So Jess, why should this play be so goddamn popular? I mean, because of act five, essentially. Right on. Um, which is where all of the murders happen. Not all of yes. them, but most of them. Most of um, them. Uh, Women Where Women has one of the highest body counts of most revenge tragedies that I can think of. Um, at the at the end of the play, there's something like six dead bodies on stage. Um, and there's like one or two other that have died. Uh, the revenge is so good. Act five is so good. Also incest, which we fucking love. And yeah, that act five is something kind of incredible. It is now summary time. All right. So uh, as we do every week, here's my hilarious summary title coming at you. This week, (laughs) the summary we're calling women beware incest. Like, don't do it. It's not a thing. Just stick to poisoning cardinals and masks and the rivers and the lakes that you're used to. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Don't chase those incest waterfalls. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't I don't care how do hot it. your uncle is. I don't care. <laughs> don't don't incest. But like theatrically, it's fun for me to watch. Though I will say sure. 21st century, it's all right. But like 21st century audiences are kind of okay with it because of a little show called Game of Thrones. I'm just saying. 
Like, if people can get over their Jon Snow, Daenerys nonsense, and the Jamie and Cersei nonsense, I think they'll be fine. Um, all, right. all right. Are you are you ready? I'm so ready. Great. Let's, let's do it. Let's fucking rock and roll. Yep. Okay. In Act 1, Leoncio brings home Bianca to his mother, the widow. They are happy. They are in love. But Mom is concerned about the hastiness of the marriage and all the secrecy. She's secret. It's a secret marriage. Um, Leoncio is sad that he has to leave Bianca tomorrow to conduct business for the rest of the week. But Bianca bids farewell to Leoncio at the window. After this, after this farewell, the Duke processes by the house and Bianca thinks that he sees her. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, elsewhere, Fabricio and Guardiano discuss the marriage between Isabella and the ward. Livia throws in her two cents. Isabella meets the ward and is unimpressed because he a dummy. Uh, Uncle Hippolito confesses his incestuous love for Isabella to her and she departs upset. Act two, Hippolito confesses his incestuous love some more for Isabella to his sister Livia, who decides to help them since she loves Hippolito so very, very much. Livia tells Isabella that she's not actually related to Hippolito, and Isabella then returns Hippolito's love. She decides to marry the ward to protect her relationship with Hippolito. So the ward is basically a beard now, kinda. Livia and Guardiano devise a scheme to get the widow and Bianca into Livia's house so the Duke can and hit on Bianca, Livia greets the widow and forces her to stay and hang out. The widow tells Livia about Bianca. Bianca arrives. Livia and the widow play chess while Guardiano shows Bianca the galleries. The Duke forces himself on Bianca. Bianca curses her fate and curses Guardiano and curses Livia. So much in cursing. Act, in Act 3, time has passed. Mm. There's been a passage of time. Uh, the widow laments a discontented change in Bianca. She's like, ah, this bitch. Uh, they bicker about the house's furnishings. Bianco and the widow welcome Leoncio home coolly. They're like, fucking, mm. uh, He's mystified at this reception. He's like, what? Uh, a messenger from the Duke comes looking for Bianco, Bianca, <laughs> and Leoncio <laughs> tells him he must have the wrong house. And then he's like, Bianca! you've been betrayed uh, they argue about whether or not Bianca needs to be locked up tighter and then she's like throw the deuces I'm going to the Duke's banquet fuck y'all okay the messenger returns he says Leoncio hey you should come too Leoncio goes to the banquet at the banquet the Duke gives Leoncio honors and new positions he toasts Bianca and generally treats her as his consort it's gross mm, Livia gross sees and immediately falls in love with Leoncio because that's how love works. Yep. The Duke moves Bianca into lodgings near his own. Livia tries to woo Leoncio, but he can't turn his thoughts from Bianca. He moves to acceptance and then anger, and then he and Livia get together in like the space of a monologue because that's how love works. Okay. Yep. Uh, Guardiano and the, Guardiano puts the ward and Isabella together to find out whether they will marry or not. The ward and Sordido evaluate Isabella's physical features, and Ward agrees to marry her. It's super gross. <sighs> Act 4. Leoncio turns up at Bianca's lodgings to see her in her new finery, and they fight. He throws love letters from Livia in her face, so she knows he's benefiting as well, and he leaves. Bianca tells the Duke that Leoncio and Livia are sleeping together, and in turn, the Duke tells Hippolito, who is angry, and sets off to kill Leoncio. The Cardinal arrives to chastise the Duke for his liaisons with Bianca, He and he repents for a hot second, since Leoncio will be dead by morning, and he will be free to take up with Bianca honorably tomorrow. Hippolito kills Leoncio. When Livia discovers this, she spills the 
news of his incest with Isabella, and both are shamed thoroughly. Guardiano convinces Livia to play nice and to get her revenge during the Duke's marriage mask. Hippolito and Isabella play nice as well, and everyone plans their revenge. The Cardinal interrupts the Duke and Bianca's marriage procession, calling it sinful. Bianca talks back to him, and the Duke takes her aside, and they continue. In Act 5, here we go. Guardiano and the ward plan for Hippolito to fall through a trap door during the wedding mask and get impaled to death. Okay. <laughs> Yikes! Bianca prepares poison for the cardinal. In a mix-up, the duke is given the poisoned cup instead of the cardinal. During the mask, Isabella sends up poisoned incest toward Livia, who breathes it in. Livia throws down flaming gold on Isabella, and she dies. Guardiano falls through the trapdoor and is impaled instead of Hippolyto. Livia dies from breathing in the poisoned incest. Hippolyto gets shot with Cupid's poisoned arrow and then runs himself onto a guard's halberd. While dying, he recounts all the plots and causes for revenge. The Duke then drinks from the poison cup and dies. Bianca poisons herself. The Cardinal warns against sin and lust. The end. Whew. My God. I love this play. I love this play. Um... And I, I also want to, because we glossed over this in the uh, in the in the summary. Um, when Livia tells Isabella that she's not actually related to her uncle Hippolyto, that's yeah. a lie. That's yeah. a lie. They're totes related. Yeah. Um, but it's we a straight up lie. I glossed that. So um, sh- let's read some of this play. Yes, do let's. It's time for a taste of text. In which we read a small but crucial portion of the play to give you a little bit of its flavor. Today we're looking at Act Five, Scene One. I'm so excited. This is the scene <laughs> in which Guardiano and the Ward plan for Hippolyto to fall through the trapdoor and get impaled to death. Oh, I'm man. so excited. It's 40 lines. Do you want to be Guardiano or the Ward? Uh, I. Do you want I to be the sh- dummy or not the dummy? <laughs> I shall be the dummy. Fantastic. <laughs> I love playing the dummy. Okay. All right. Act five, scene one. You got it. Um, and basically, it's up until everybody else's entrance, right? Is that what we're doing? So uh, it says, "Flourish, enter above, Duke Bianca, blahdy blahdy blah." Yeah. In my text, that's a different scene. So yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. In um, my complete works of Middleton, it's all just one scene. Yeah. Because editions and textual instability, ain't it weird? Yeah. Um, before we before we get into this, I want to do one gloss for our listeners. Uh, okay. About five lines in, I, Guardiano, am going to say, here, take this gall trop, and you're going to be like, what the fuck is a gall trop? That's not a real word. Uh, it's a multi-pointed weapon. Ooh. <laughs> so kind of like imagine... a mace or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, like, it's, it's, it's something sort of tripodic that you might be able to place underneath a trap door. So if oh. one fell on top of it, you would get impaled upon it. Cruel, cruel a, and unusual. A gall trap. Gotcha. Um, pretty much everything else is, is fairly straightforward or you can figure it out with context clues or you can't, it'll be fine. So, um, oh, okay. But gall trap, I was like, you should know what that is. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for that. Okay. So, Uh Act 5, Scene 1, I am Guardiano, you are the ward. Here we go. Yep. Speak! Hast thou any sense of thy abuse? Dost thou know what wrongs done thee? I were an ass, else. I cannot wash my face, but I am feeling on't. Here, take this galtrop, then. Convey it secretly into the place I showed you. 
Look you, sir, this is the trapdoor toot. I know that of old, uncle, since the last triumph. Here rose up a devil with one eye, I remember, with a company of fireworks at's tail. Prithee leave squibbing now, mark me, and fail not. But when thou hearst me give a stamp down with it, the villain's caught then. If I miss you, hang me. I love to catch a villain, and your stamp shall go current, I warrant you. But how shall I rise up and let him down too, all at one hole? That will be horrible a horrible puzzle. You know I have a part in't. I play slander. True, but never make you ready for it. No? My clothes are bought and all, and a foul fiend's head with a long contum- contumelious tongue, i the chaps on't in a very fit shape for the slander it i <laughs> the out perishes. It shall not come so far, thou understand'st it not. Oh, oh, he shall lie deep enough ere that time and stick first upon those. Now I conceive you, guardianer. Away, list to the privy stamp, that's all thy part. Stamp my horns in a mortar if I miss you, and give the powder in white wine to stick to sick cuckolds a very present remedy for the headache. If this should any way miscarry now, as if the fool be nimble enough, tis certain, the pages that present the swift-winged cupids are taught to hit him with their shafts of love fitting his part, which I have cunningly poisoned. He cannot scape my fury, and those ills will be laid all on fortune, not our wills. That's all the sport on it, for who will imagine that at the celebration of this night any mischance that haps can flow from spite? Dun-dun-dun! I love this wow, play. that Ward. He's such a dummy. Love this play. <laughs> I just love Middleton. I really do. The The Ward sounds a lot to me like um, Andrew Aguecheek. <laughs> a little sure. bit. Yeah. You know, a lot but of worse. like. No, yes, yes. I mean, murderous. A murderous yeah. Andrew Aguecheek, but like yeah. in how dumb and foppish he kind of is. I can dig it. Uh, yeah, I kind of love that. So let's talk some cool shit about this text. Yeah, so I want to talk about chess. Right on. <laughs> um, so there's a there's a crucial scene in this play uh, where the the Duke um, forces himself on Bianca, uh, during which Livia and the widow are playing chess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have written on this moment, uh, and so I thought I would I would take you through some of this. So, um, you friend. If you'll just sort of read along, we're going to there. There's some some text from the play that we'll need reading. Sure. sure. Um, as part I'm of, happy as part to of help. my close reading. So if yep. you'll just keep track with you that and, and lean in with me. OK, yep. so um, so chess. So the play's deployment of the game of chess is unique in that the text makes provision for the necessity of the game's presence in the stage directions governing the scene in question. And the game of chess takes place while a much higher stakes interpersonal game is being played uh for between the duke and and bianca um in this play the game of chess takes place at a moment where the play's political games come into focus chess then is a synecdoche for the representations of female agency in relation to male power in this play it underscores and reinforces early modern notions of male power social status and the precarious nature of being a desirable woman while also highlighting women's often only avenue to agency which is duplicity and manipulation in short, the chess game in this play functions as kind of an object as thesis statement for the entire play. This is my argument. Mm-hmm. Um, the introduction of chess of the chess game in the second act does a lot of things. 
First, it situates the scene in Livia's parlor. Second, it contributes to the picture of her social status. Third, it illustrates the differences in capability for guile between Livia and the mother. Four, it creates a visual representation for the commodification of Bianca. Five, it underscores trivial com competition between Livia and the mother, while at the same time illuminating the high-stakes competition between Bianca and the Duke. Six, it creates audience expectation for some kind of winner-loser outcome. Seven, it is the basis for Livia's deception of the women she hosts. Eight, it reaffirms neighborly relations between Livia and the mother. Nine, it offers an incentive for the mother to spend her time with Livia. Ten, it functions outside the bounds of a simple game for entertainment among friends. And as will become obvious, eleven, it is the pretense for separating Bianca from the mother and delivering her to the Duke. Um, that awesome scholar, Gina Bloom, mm, who yes. has written extensively on games uh, in the early modern period, but also specifically in early modern drama. She indicates that in the early modern period, chess was a lively spectator-driven game, not the hallmark of libraries and studies that we think of it as now. She notes that spectators placed bets on games and, quote, were used to closely watching the board since they often had a monetary stake in the game's outcome. Because spectators had the same information as the players in a game of chess, unlike, say, in a game of cards, where one side is always concealed from the other player and often from onlookers as well, gameplay for chess was highly participatory. When the game is transferred out of a pub or parlor and into a theater, however, chess, quote, becomes for spectators a game of imperfect, not perfect information, since spectators are positioned so far away from the board that they cannot hope to follow its action in the ways to which they are accustomed. This distance, however, leads to heightened audience scrutiny of the scene in which the chess game appears as spectators angle and shuffle to see the chessboard and look for clues about the gameplay in the conversation and other action taking place on stage. And with chess's historical ties to politics and the training of leaders, the chess game in Women, Boy, Women takes on further connotations easily visible to spectators and craftily exploited by Middleton. As the audience watches this commodification and outmaneuvering of a young woman above, Livia engages the mother in a game of chess below. The conversation between Livia and the mother neatly foreshadows the Duke's manipulation of Bianca, and since the action takes place in two distinct portions of the stage, these scenes can run concurrently to each other, further highlighting the skillful manipulation of the weaker characters. So, Livia first entreats Bianca to leave her and the mother alone at their chess game by highlighting the dullness of the game, the advanced age of the two older women, mm -hmm. and having her confederate, Guardiano, offer a more exciting pastime. So, Livia says, I pray sit down, forsooth, if you have the patience to look upon two weak and tedious gamesters and guardiano responds faith madam set these by till evening you'll have enough on't then the gentlewoman being a stranger would take more delight to see your rooms and pictures once Bianca is removed with Guardiano, Livia and the mother begin to play the chess game, and their conversation is laden with double entendre for the audience to parse. I quote the exchange in full here because it is so fucking masterful. I'm going to read Livia and uh, Aubrey if you'll read The Widow Mother. Sure thing. Alas, poor widow, I shall be too hard for thee. You're cunning at the game, I'll be sworn, madam. It will be found so, ere I give you over. She that can place her man well. As you do, madam. As I shall, wench, can never lose her game. Nay, nay, the Black King's mine. Cry you mercy, madam. And this my queen. I see it now. Here's a duke will strike a stroke for sh will strike a sure stroke for the game anon. Your pawn cannot come back to relieve itself. I know that, madam. You play well the whilst. How she belies her skill. 
I hold two ducats. I give you check and mate to your white king. Simplicity itself, your saintish king there. Well, ere now, lady, I have seen the fall of subtlety. Jest on. Aye, but simplicity receives two for one. What remedy but patience? The strategic moves Livia makes in this conversation mirrors both playing the actual game of chess and the Duke's outflanking of Bianca above. Mm -hmm. That Livia is conversing with the mother about the game at hand is obvious as the language focuses on the moves the women are making on the board and reinforces or, and references both kings, a queen, a duke, which is a rook, and a pawn. Livia's use of duke in line 303 here is, of course, part of her conversation, the part of her conversation that is most heavily laden with double meaning. The OED and the editors of the Norton edition of this play tell us that duke is another name for the rook or castle piece in the chess game, and that all three terms were in common use in the early 17th century when Middleton wrote this play. In fact, the OED cites Middleton's other chess play, because of course he wrote another chess play, uh, 1625's a game at chess in their in their notation of this definition, uh, though Duke was perhaps the least commonly used of the three, castle, duke, or rook. The double meaning that Livia employs with her choice of words is clear to the audience and the reader, but for those who miss it, the Duke's entrance comes a mere 15 lines later. Uh, that is, if a production has not already brought the Duke on stage to run the chess game and the seduction concurrently, which is a fucking smart choice and one that I endorse. The play's final scene is a mask to celebrate the nuptials of the Duke and Bianca, but almost all the players are intending to use it to outmaneuver their rivals or enemies. Though the chess game is by now far removed from the stage and the audience's memories, its manipulative rules are mirrored in each party's attempt to exact revenge on the party that wronged them. Mm -hmm. As they watch the mask... Bianca poisons a cup intended for the cardinal in order to remove his moral intercession from her marriage to the duke. Her plans are circumvented by a bumbling servant, and the poisoned cup is given to the duke instead. Meanwhile, Isabella, dressed as a nymph, sends plumes of poisoned incense skyward towards Livia, dressed as Juno. Livia inhales the smoke and shortly falls dead, but not before tossing down flaming gold on Isabella, who also dies. In short order, Guardiano, who helped Livia orchestrate the duke's theft of bianca falls through a trapdoor to his death hippolito who is livia's brother and the incestuous seducer of Is isabella is shot by cupids with real arrows and then runs himself onto a guard's halberd the duke finally drinks from the poison cup and dies and in a final attempt to regain control over her destiny bianca poisons herself as well the play ends with six corpses on stage all dead from trying to outmaneuver each other with the possible exception of hippolito who seems uninvolved in the plot to kill livia and runs himself onto the halberd out of despair and desperation over Isabella's death. The series of misadventures reflects Livia's earlier feints and attacks with the widow in their chess game. Livia is the author of her own misfortune, and her designs and machinations result in the deaths of her brother, her niece, friend, and lover, plus the Duke, Bianca, and herself to boot. Everything stems from the chess game in Act 2, and it is perhaps Livia's skill at chess that leads her to such cocksureness when unraveling the lives of those around her for her own self-interest. She does not stop to consider the way people are not pawns and might cause her plans to go awry. In sum, Middleton's chess game encapsulates the entire trajectory of this play and provides a visual emblem for the interpersonal politics and machinations at hand. Props as emblems of their plays are not new. Think of Macbeth's dagger or Hamlet's skull. Uh, but it is unusual that activated props like Livia's chess game stand up to scrutiny and become working representations of the entire play. Chess. Check and mate. You done been chest. <laughs> 
Thank you for that. Thank you for sharing that portion of your paper. I think that's fascinating. And actually, I'm pretty sure the producers of this play at the Sam Wanamaker Playhouse have figured that out, too. Because they have crafted their floor. They've painted their floor to look like a chessboard. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's and smart. from the production photos I've seen, uh, which yeah. I'll talk a little bit, tiny bit more about in our gossip segment. But I've seen, you know, I've been kind of keeping track of yeah. that. And I was like, oh, and that, since you brought it up, kind of yep. dings that for me. Yep. Um, so I think on the, you know, on the production side, I, I feel like a, a little bit of this we said last week when we were talking about Tis Pity, mm-hmm. I really do kind of feel like if Hippolyto and Isabella were not related, they're actually a good match for each other. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, it, and it's a little sad that they're related and that Livia has decided to lie to them. Incidentally, if you remember last year, last season from our dick bracket, now you know yeah, in Livia detail Bonner. why Livia ended up on the short list of who's a big old dick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause she really is like, damn. Well, and she only lies to Isabella. Mm-hmm. Like Hippolyto gets no excuse. Cause he knows, he knows yeah. the whole time he's related and it's gross, but because Isabella's easier to manipulate. Cause she's yes. a young lady with no right. brain of her own. She's a young impressionable lady. Yeah. So, so there's kind of that living there, which is just this sort of horrible irony, I think, watching it. Um, and that really comes out, especially in um, Act Three, Scene Two, when uh, the idiot ward has been brought in, you know, like a show pony and Isabella as well to like meet each other. And, and the Duke is like, you, Hippolyto, you're so great. Why don't you dance with your niece? You're such a good, you guys are such good dancers. And so there's like this really kind of like sultry hot at least the last time i saw it the only time i've seen this like they they the actors made a point of making the dance itself between hippolyto and isabella like very tender but also sensual like so they're just out here dancing living their best lives um with everybody going oh what a lovely who how how nice is that that's so great um and they're just like don't know nobody knows we're fucking (laughs) um which i i just i don't know i I love sort of the the layers in that scene. Yep. Um, I think this play also really, like, really brings out the idea of of complicity mm-hmm. um, and female complicity in rape culture. Like, this is mm-hmm. Livia serving up basically woman after woman mm-hmm. to to sexual crimes. <laughs> Like, and, and Livia, correct me if I'm wrong, but Livia does not have any kind of like a backstory where she's been wronged by any of these people. No, she's, She's, you know, yeah, she's just bored and not that it would justify it if she did have, you know, some kind of a revenge, a need for revenge. But like most of the times with revenge plots like this. You know, somebody is doing something shitty because they feel entitled to do it because they've been wronged. Yeah, and it's like, all self-serving. She, yeah. You know, by, by giving Bianca to the Duke, she gains preferment for her family. Yeah. Um, also, if she gets Bianca out of the way, then she can fuck Leoncio. And, you know, she just loves her brother so much that, like, sure, yeah. why not trick her niece into an incestuous religion relationship? Because that'll make her brother happy because that makes yeah. sense, I guess. Yeah, she just doesn't want him to be sad. And sure, just give him what he wants, even when it's his gross. own niece. It's gross. Very gross. It's gross. Yeah. So, so like, she's a she's a really complex villain. Um, 
uh, and I and I applaud anyone who attempts this to play this role because like how do you how, I don't know how do you balance that kind of it, it almost feels like like crazy suburban boredom <laughs> with like that that trope that we see now a lot in in TV shows of just like a bored housewife doing shit cuz she can yeah um yeah. you know and like fucking everybody else up and you're right there's like a really high level of arrogance here um, and narcissism on her part because she really doesn't think that anybody else has a brain, I guess, and would and would try to subvert her plans or has their own plan that they're that they're doing. So so what a character like, wow, you yeah. know, that that Middleton gives us. But also like this is, uh, I think, an apt play for for some commentary on um, on the ways I think everyone is complicit in rape culture, you know, mm-hmm. so if you want to say something about that. I think this play is a great vehicle for that. Also, thinking about the final scene, thinking about the various and diverse ways people die in the final scene, um, it... Uh, how do I want to say this? Like, one, you know, you I think you have to do it. Um, there, there are so many, like, and, and I'll... Let me try to explain what I mean by that. Um, like, in... Hamlet or some other play where lots of people die at the end, right? Uh, maybe Hamlet's not the best example because you kind of have to do the sword thing. Um, but like there's some violence in some plays where like you can fudge, you can, you know, if you're updating your play to be in contemporary dress and all of that, you can like change out swords for guns or whatever. Like you can change weapons and sort of have more flexibility in the violence. Um, but this play does not give you that kind of flexibility, I don't think. Like, you have to have poisoned incense and you have to have molten gold. Like, how are you going to make those very, very specific modes of death work, right? And, like, running on a halberd and some guy falling into a trap. Or if you wanted to show it, like, so showing the impalement, oh God, you know. Oh, God, no. <laughs> I know, but you could. You Ooh. absolutely, that is a choice that you can Ooh. make if you really wanted to show, like, all of the violence um you could do that so but like it's very specific and i think you have to follow it so taking the time in a production to choreograph and figure out the mechanics and the tracks of each one of those deaths um god poisoning is a relief it's like the easiest one (laughs) i think it's going to take it's going to take up most of your rehearsal time, uh, really, for for that scene. Like It's so complicated, and there's so many moving so, pieces and so yeah, many bodies. Yeah, yeah, and the sequence of it and, like, yeah. all of that. And not only that, but, the, like, there's a mask happening at the same time, you know? Yep. Um, so it's a simultaneous mask and murder. It's not one after the other, you know? Um, it's a really, really complex scene. But, I mean, God, it sounds like fun. Like, I, I think it would be so much fun to try to produce it. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a so, hilarious line that Fabrizio has at the end during he's like sitting there watching the mask being like, oh, good job. Yay, mask. They're so convincing. Look at them falling over. And then like Isabella <laughs> dies and he's like, oh, she's dead. <laughs> really funny. Oh, Middleton. And tragic, but also hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking Middleton. Like that's yeah. that's the kind of shit that he's so good at. He's so yeah. good at that. <laughs> Just, yeah. oh, that beautiful dramatic irony. It's great. Yeah. It's really great. Um, so those those are my thoughts on this play. I, too, love it. And I was lucky enough to see it a couple of years ago when they did it in the Wren season um, here at the ASC. 
Um, and Jenna Hoban did a fantastic job being, I thought she was great, um, being the murderous Livia. So if you can get anywhere to see it, it's not done very often. Um, but I hope it is more at some point. I hope it gets more notoriety, popularity. All right. So shall we play a game? I suppose we shall. So this week we're going to play Fuck, Mary Kill. Yay. Love it. Love, love to see it. Um, should we start with the sibling trio, which is Please, yes. Hippolito, Fabricio, and Livia? Yes. Um, I, I think I would fuck, I would kill Livia. Um, I think I would fuck Hippolito and Mary Fabricio. See, I might go the other way around. I definitely would, I definitely would eradicate Livia. (laughs) That crazy bitch gotta go. Um. I would, I think, fuck Fabrizio. That's a nice little one-off, I guess. Uh, but yeah. uh, marry Hippolyto. Yeah, keep that guy yeah. around. Yeah, yeah. That's um, what, I do. W- what about the sort of the three core women: Livia, Isabella, and Bianca? Okay. 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 I think again, Livia's got to go. Hmm. Um. Maybe fuck Isabella and marry Bianca. I would fuck Bianca and marry Isabella. Mm, okay. That's what I think I'd do. But yeah, yeah. kill Livia also, because like, <laughs> fuck that bitch. <laughs> fuck her, man. She's got to go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How about the um, the fuck boys, like Leoncio, Guardiano, and Guardian the ward? And the ward, yeah. Um, I would kill the ward. <laughs> and I think I would fuck... I think I would fuck Guardiano and marry Leoncio. Okay. I think I would, I think I would kill Guardiano. Okay. I think I might, just because he's an idiot. I cannot suffer fools to live. I don't know who's dumber though. Uh, Guardiano or the ward. I mean, the Maybe, ward. <laughs> the ward I, is clearly I dumber. Guess. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, but still, I think I would kill Gar- Guardiano and I would Fuck the ward and marry Leoncio. Yeah. Okay. Definitely yeah. wouldn't want to marry the ward. For sure not. No, no. But he, he might be a nice a roll in the hay. Who knows? Sure, sure. Um, that's pretty much everybody. Okay, great. Well, <laughs> also, now I that we've we could decided do, like, that. The duke and the cardinal and um, the widow, I guess. <laughs> I would kill the duke. I would fuck the cardinal because I think that would be hilarious and I'd marry the widow. <laughs> <laughs> um i think i'd be with you on that yeah, yeah. kill yeah. kill that fucking raping duke yeah for sure yep yeah no i'm 100 percent with you on that one that's a good assessment well then let's move on to some gossip yeah yeah you put the first item on I there did. so tell me yeah. about that um so there is a, a thing called the shakespeare 2020 project um that's being spearheaded by ian dosher dorsher i'm gonna get that wrong um he's the guy who wrote uh the star wars shakespeare stuff uh the the who what the star wars shakespeare 
the Shakespeare Star Wars. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Like, okay, yes, that guy. Barely a New Hope and whatever. He's yes. that guy. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So he he reached out to me uh, and asked me to do a video introduction for one of the plays. Basically, what they're doing is they're reading the entire canon, not just the plays, but all the poems and the sonnets as well, uh, for all year. There's like a whole schedule on the website. It's Shakespeare2020.com. We'll throw a link up, whatever. Um, but I'm going to do a, a video introduction for Perklers. Because, of course, I am. Uh, and so that's coming in June, I think. That's so exciting. How do you find is. out yeah. about you? How did he get in touch with you? Uh, he got my name from a friend who uh, is in the Portland area, which is where Ian is from and lives, uh, and sent me an email and was like, uh, hey, stranger, <laughs> you're you're a stranger, but also you want to do this thing? And I was like, fuck, yeah, I want to do this thing. Um, so... Did you get to choose Pericles yourself? Yeah, yeah, he... yeah. He he had he was like, here here's the stuff that I still need people for. So take your pick, basically. And I was like, well, Pericles nice. is my favorite play, so I'll take that one. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's so cool. That is yeah. so cool. Yeah, yeah. Definitely check out the website. There's like a lot of cool shit up there with like resources for each play, also. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, I think, not currently searchable play by play because it's the beginning of the year they've only done a couple but will very shortly there will be a drop down so you can click on each play um and just go for what you're looking for specifically um but yeah there's all kinds of cool shit and images from the folder and yeah it's cool also right they're on. reading all the folder texts i that is also a thing that i should ah, say uh yeah okay. and the, like it's been it's been sponsored by the folder and osf the oregon shakespeare festival and uh maybe also the birthplace trust it's like a whole like it's a big thing wow. it's like a, a real legit project um that i'm gonna be part of with people like iona thompson it's fine whatever it's cool that's so fucking exciting yeah that's great so. Yeah, congratulations. I can't wait to see your contribution and all the rest of the project. (laughs) Yeah, I got to write it, but (laughs) it's great. It's so cool. It's a problem for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So if you've been following the um, the woke police article shitstorm started in the Telegraph a couple weeks ago, just to throw it out there, Gregory Doran, the artistic director of, I think, the RSC, uh, has added his voice to the blowback um, and the pushback. Uh, to that article i only read the headline because i'm kind of losing interest but i thought if people want to follow they can uh his contention is that the youths will decide what is woke or whatever which later okay but anyway if you know or like this gregory doran uh, and respect his opinion not saying i don't i'm just saying you know, go read it for yourself. Um, another thing, I'm going to see the Regendered Time In at STC, starring Catherine Hunter, Olivier Award winner Catherine Hunter. So later today, I will go and see it, and I probably will have feelings about it that I will talk about in a later gossip segment. Cool. Uh, so look forward to that. I just wanted to announce to the world that I get to go, and I'm excited about it because I mean, who doesn't love a good Time In? I guess. Uh, Also, if you're in the UK, around London, Women Beware Women is playing at the Sam Wanamaker Playhouse right the fuck now. So go see it. Then holla at us and tell us how it was. Hell yeah. Yeah, I really I'm so curious that it is done so rarely. You know, I I would love to hear uh, what people think about it uh, and and about how it plays in that dark, shadowy space. I just kind of love that. So that's what I got for the gossip. Cool. Cool. Okay. That's it. Well, yeah. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We hope you leave the podcast more informed than when you started.
yeah tune in next week for this is this what we're doing I think it is. We haven't okay. said we're not. So. All right. Tune in next week for Titus 201, unless we call another Audible, and we don't do that. But we think it's going to be Titus 201, so that'll be fun. Yeah. Come on back yeah. and listen to us talk about whatever it is we're going to talk Things. about for Titus. Titus Andronicus, man. Yeah. Probably <laughs> dismemberment and race and gender and other cool things. I don't know. Probably. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Okay. Wham it out. Wham it out. If you enjoyed our podcast, please tell your friends, rate us, leave us a review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. For show notes and other fun stuff, you can visit our website at www.hurlyburlyshakespeareshow.com. Yeah, get in touch with us. Tell us what you're working on and thinking about. Email us at holla at hurlyburlyshakespeareshow.com. You can also find us at hurlyburlyshakes on Instagram. Or at Hurley Burley Shake, no S, on Twitter. The Hurley Burley Shakespeare Show is produced and edited by Aubrey Whitlock and Jess Hamlin. All opinions you heard are strictly our own and not affiliated with the institutions we represent. Hear the facetiousness in my voice. <laughs> I am not actually, in seriousness, endorsing incest of any kind disclaimer hear that impressionable youths of today have i done enough walking it back you're fine, i'm almost you're fine <laughs> we did this last week we're like don't incest we guys but also low-key if it's an early modern play where the characters aren't real yeah, totally incest, incest all the time <laughs>